You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Obviously, we're uh, we're looking into it every way we can, but it's but it's a legal matter. We want to make sure that uh, um, Maurice is is um, cooperating, which he is. We also want to make sure that uh, uh, he knows he has a great deal of support, and then really the legal authorities and the whole system kind of guides it from here on out. As the statement said, you were made aware of this. Uh late summer and but weren't given a whole lot of details about it but i'm sure so it's been a while since you've heard about it but didn't know a whole lot about it yeah and, and we were inquisitive uh, but there, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh of, of conversation that went any further than than you know we we have a concern and uh of something that happened in in california and we'll keep you informed and that's just really how it how it panned out and welcome here to the Husker Online Show. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose with Greg Sharp on the Husker Sports Network, kind of setting the stage here for this week. It's been a busy week. Uh, you know, nothing on the field for Nebraska, but lots of things happened off the field. And the the big storyline, obviously, around the news of Maurice Washington, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus here for the Husker Online Show, and. You you look at what happened. Obviously, an incident, um, you know, multiple several years ago with Maurice Washington. A text message that was sent over a year ago, and and you know, Nebraska was notified of the text uh, during the season or contacted by California, and um, you know, an article broke in San Francisco involving Maurice Washington sharing a text message um, with a former friend or girlfriend of his. Um, obviously causing a lot of a lot of issues for Nebraska. And, and really, you, you look at the situation, guys, for Scott Frost, I mean, this is really one of the toughest situations he's been dealt, clearly, since he's been the head coach. And um, you, you knew when you take a job like Nebraska, you're going to deal with things like this. But uh, this one kind of came out of nowhere, I think, to, for a lot of people, and rightfully so. Um, they're being very guarded in, in kind of what they say. That Bill Moose's comments last night, Robin, were really – the first thing we've heard, you know, as far as a, a form of an on-air comment. And um, even then, you know, Bill Moose obviously very guarded with kind of what, what they're saying at this point. That was pretty much just kind of reiterating um, their official statement that they released a few hours after that story uh, from the NBC Bay Area um, outlet broke uh, about Maurice's situation. And so, I mean, I guess I don't really know what else they can say at this point. Uh, he's right. This This is a legal situation. And um, as far as Nebraska is concerned, I don't really know what they're supposed to do right now. Um, you know, the fact that uh, they were asked about this uh, supposedly um, all the way back to last August, uh, and then according to Bill Moose and the, the athletic department, uh, nothing really ever, ever came of it until just recently, where now the California authorities are suddenly, you know, starting debating of issuing a warrant uh, against Maurice and um, trying to bring him back to, to going through a full trial. Uh, so, I mean, I guess when you're in Nebraska, I mean, this is just kind of all you can do. I mean, you can kind of say, yes, we're aware of it. Uh, we're going to cooperate as much as possible. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to try and interfere with anything. And we're just going to let this play out because uh, there are just so many unknowns right now. Um, you know, obviously, uh, due process is going to be an important part to all of this. And uh, we'll see kind of what happens just with Maurice individually and legally. But, you know, for Nebraska, I mean, I guess that's probably what Bill Moose said is probably the extent of what we're going to hear until more details and more finality comes out of this deal. Yeah, I mean, it's completely out of their hands at this point. I mean, nothing they say or do is really going to impact the, the outcome of, of the legal process. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't expect to hear much more. Of yeah, le- less about, is more at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the more you say, the more trouble you're going to get yourself into. And, and, and they're going to kind of lock it down. I mean, I, I think – you know, they were going to probably make some assistant coaches available for the next couple of weeks. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, th- I think from Nebraska's point, I don't think they want anybody saying anything mm-hmm. about anything just because there's so many things we don't know. And, I mean, I, I think there's some hurdles now or questions. How how long, if this goes to March 4th, I mean, does Maurice Washington, if you're backing him, do you let him practice for spring ball? Does he go or, or do you keep it away where he's not around the team practicing at that point? Um, those are some really tough questions to answer. Uh, because we don't know his side of the story yet, and he's got very good legal defense with him. John Ball, um, same attorney that actually defended Keith Williams a couple years ago in his DUI deal, but um, you know, known as one of the top defense guys in Lincoln 
um, works with John Bruding, the former attorney general of Nebraska. So you know he's got very good people counseling him through this situation. But it will be interesting to see kind of what Nebraska does uh, with this whole deal and, and and will he be allowed to practice if it gets to that point? Yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that they knew about it uh, before he even arrived on campus uh, and they let him play a full season um, without any, any discipline, uh, I mean, I guess that kind of shows what their initial take on it was that, you know, maybe they didn't, I guess, quite uh, put the same severity on it uh, that maybe they should have. And now that it's in the public light, maybe they turn course on that. Um, I don't know. I don't th- see this thing being resolved anytime soon. Um, I think the kind of standard procedure is to uh, you know, try and get a lot of this stuff settled out of court, which a lot of times takes a little bit longer. Um, I think worst case scenario is this thing for to go to trial, um, especially if it is on the felony charge. Uh, so, I mean, I think if you pull him out, I mean that kind of also kind of admits guilt a little bit too. So I, that's a it's a yeah. It's a, and then the public mob, and that that's one thing that's so different about mm-hmm. today, that social media public mob, mm-hmm. um, you know, in dealing with that, um, you know, I think that's another element to this um, as far as how they go about what they do with Maurice here um, as we kind of wait around. But like you said, they knew about a lot of this. It's just the fact that the story really got so magnified this week. Yeah, and so Frost doesn't strike me as someone that's going to cave to that public pressure. And so I would imagine they'll just kind of take it SOP, standard operating procedure, and just let uh, this thing kind of play out. And until, um, you know, the, the legal side of it says you should not be playing or, you know, they give, will have they, to go back to California grounds. though. Yeah. And so maybe that's an instance where he misses some time, but you know, I don't think Nebraska is going to suddenly uh, cave to uh, the torches and pitchforks on Twitter or, or whatever it may be uh, until, you know, they actually get to see some answers, you know, and get, get, let this thing play out a little bit to where Maurice does give his side of the story. And, you know, we start to get more facts and um, just clarity about the whole situation. I wouldn't expect for him to be, you know, suspended indefinitely from the team or kicked off the team. It may have happened already if they were going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think they'll, they'll probably just continue on, you know, business as usual until the legal process says otherwise. Um, and plus, I mean, Maurice is a kid who I think needs structure. Uh, and they've talked about it ever since they signed him a little over a year ago where – you know, he's a very talented kid, but, you know, he's not always had that structure in his life. His, you know, his father passed away. He bounced back and forth in high school between California and Texas. And, um, and, I, and I think that, you know, Ryan Held has talked about even with him on campus, they got to make sure that, you know, that, uh, that he's in a structured environment and, and that he, he could be really, really successful. But I think if you go ahead and, and remove him from that structure, then who knows what, what's going to happen to Maurice. So uh, I think if you're Nebraska, you want to try and keep him as, you know, within the, the daily you know, routine as much as possible. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if he has to go back to California, that will that will really make things interesting. And I think they are expecting he will have to go in California at some point to appear. Mm-hmm. I I have a hard time thinking that they're going to put a warrant out for him and extradite him. I well, mean, I think that, that his that, legal team is going to just self-surrender is what he said so that yeah. there's not a, a warrant issued. I mean, that just for the optics of it, if there's a, a headline that says warrant issued for the arrest of Nebraska running back, that's terrible. Yeah, so that's uh, that kind of goes with what you know Moose was saying, and uh, the statement said that you know they're going to cooperate to the full extent and do everything possible to make this thing go as smoothly as possible. And for Nebraska, that's like you said, that's probably the one thing that you can control through this whole thing. All right. Well, we, uh, lots of other things have happened. The red white game sold out this past week. Nebraska added a punter from Michigan State. And Mike Dawson, the defensive line coach, left the team uh, for the New York Giants. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about all those things next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, he's from the East Coast, and he's going with the uh, New York Giants. Had coached, uh, I think, three or four years with the Philadelphia Eagles. So when you start talking about time zones and where your family is and where your friends are and uh, also that pension and retirement setup of uh, the NFL you gotta you gotta think twice about it and I know that he really uh, uh, loved Nebraska but you know we're gonna see more and more of this as we continue to succeed hate to see the gang broken up but you certainly got to understand 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's here to watch all of the college basketball action. I was actually in there Saturday night, watched some AF or American Alliance of football, uh, the opening game, Mike Riley's team, um, the San Antonio uh, Rough Riders? No. Generals? Generals. I think it's the Generals. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I'm a, I'm a huge Salt Lake City Stallions. Stallions. Man. I'm a, I like the hot shots. You would. The, Rick Neuheisel. Kyron Williams started <laughs> safety. I mean. Whatever. Stallions. <laughs> Ride or die. How about uh, Orlando, too, with Steve Spurrier? I mean, they, they took it They took it to their uh, opening. Birmingham's got a bunch of Alabama players on their team, I know. We should start doing a full AAF segment on this <laughs> yeah, show. I think there's there's much, enough demand for it. But, I mean, the best – you would think Salt Lake had the best performance, you know, because they had the four Huskers. But, actually, Kyron Williams obviously looked good in his game. Mm-hmm. But Lonzo, Lonzo Moore, yeah. you know, made the catch to win the game for San Antonio or had, the, you know, the, game, the biggest play of the game. So mm-hmm. – Keep us interested. Um, the quarterback play, though, left a lot to be desired. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I mean, the, here's the thing They're to consider: for five weeks, yeah, they had like almost barely thirty days of preparation, and for that to be the product on the very first weekend, that was pretty good. Well, that was uh, before that. Speaking of the NFL, um, you heard Bill Moose there talking about Mike Dawson leaving Nebraska this week, the defensive line coach, to go to the New York Giants, and. I think it was a surprise. I, I believe Scott Frost obviously knew about this for multiple weeks, at least two or three weeks um, in a row. And, um, you know, a lot of things factored into this decision. Number one, the NFL pension. He's got three years already in Philadelphia. If he goes two more years in New York, he'd, he'd qualify for a pension. So I think he thought about that. Obviously, he's from the East Coast. He'd be about an hour away from his mom um, and family. He's getting up there in age. And I think that was important to him as well. So, Tough loss, and I think the bigger story, guys, is you think about the different defensive line coaches. Now you go from Rick Kaczynski to Hank Hughes to John Perella, uh, you know Mike Dawson, and now whoever they bring in. So you look at like these fifth-year seniors, um, like the Davis twins. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have um, you know five different coaches really over their career now. Yeah, the D line is going through with the defensive yeah. backfield that have been going through with. Uh, the revolving door of position coaches. And uh, it was really interesting, kind of just the player response after the Dawson news broke. I mean, like Ben Stilley and Deshaun Neal, uh, for, just for example, uh, were just kind of tweeting about how much of an impact Mike Dawson had made on them personally uh, with their relationship, even though he'd only been here for just a year. And uh, that's hard on guys. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of build this trust and this relationship with a coach. Uh, you're with him every single day uh, for months on end. And then for him to kind of just up and leave, uh, that, that's, that's hard. And then you got to start all over again from scratch with a guy you've never met before. So it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, and this is going to be a very important hire for Frost because, uh, you know, when he came here, um, that was one of the biggest uh, positives uh, about that transition was that he was able to bring his entire coaching staff and they had continuity from day one that really helped them get uh hit the ground running when they got here and so now you kind of dishevel that a little bit um the, the, who they bring in uh, must meet not only uh kind of fit the, the the mold of the rest of the staff but be able to deliver the message uh in the same way with the same energy that these guys do to where he can connect with the players the way that a, a guy like mike dawson did when I think you've got to, to go out and get a guy who's a combination of being a good coach, a good technician, you know, somebody who can actually develop the guys on the roster, but also someone that can recruit. I mean, recruiting defensive linemen, high-caliber defensive linemen, is very, very tough. I mean, everyone in the country – wants you know somebody who can get after the quarterback and or you know the you know an anchor of a nose tackle I mean those players are all in high demand and whoever's coming in is you know they're going to be losing five seniors Darian Daniels Carlos Davis Khalil Davis Deshaun Neal Vaha Vanuku are all graduating after next year and so I think the defensive line is a position group in the 2020 class that's really big. And, and so you, you've got to bring in somebody that's got some recruiting ties that, that can go out and, and uh, you know, win some recruiting battles for you with those high-caliber defensive linemen. And this is a job I think that it's attractive in a number of ways, but I think the stability that you have here with Frost, if I'm an assistant coach, because let's face it, the stability right now for assistant coaches, if you stay somewhere four years, that's pretty rare yeah, right now. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, two to three almost is kind of the norm. Unfortunately, you don't get the 20-year assistance like you used to. 
Um, so I, I think the stability that Scott Frost offers will make this job attractive. And we're taping this Wednesday afternoon, so you know there's a pretty good chance the guy could be named here. You know, in the next 24 to 48 hours, and I think they they really had a short list already, and they moved on this quickly. So. It will be interesting. Now, another roster addition, guys, they brought on board this week. Uh, they added a walk-on punter uh, from Michigan State, William Priced up. Um, he started the final four games of the season, averaged 41 yards a punt on 27 attempts. He's 6'4", 244, a left-footed punter, um, you know, and had a very good bowl game in an extremely windy um, stadium in Santa Clara that day, averaged 43.1 yards and seven punts in Michigan State's bowl game uh, against Oregon. So this is a guy that's got Division One starting experience that was recruited by Frost at Central Florida. Michigan State is another punter that was hurt. He's going to come back. So he's basically not in a position where he's going to win the job or, you know, it's going to be hard for him to win a job. We're at Nebraska. Price step, I think, is going to be the guy after Isaac Armstrong's done in 2019. Yeah, you don't think there's a, a need for them to try and push for a waiver or anything to, to get him eligible. I think You think they're content sitting him out? Yeah, I think at this point. I don't know what – I mean, I guess you can come up with waivers for anything you yeah, want I mean, now. And, it's kind of just like a, yeah, just, a minor hurdle right now, I mean, compared to what it used to be. So I'm sure they could find something if they needed him. But uh, I think having Isaac Armstrong uh, certainly kind of – lessens the need for that uh but it'll be i mean i we'll see if they actually pursue that because it's a lot easier than it used to be it got to the point now where you could say starbucks made my coffee too hot it burnt my hand and yeah. I, it's not safe for me to be at the starbucks in east lansing so i need to transfer i mean i, I mean that's about what these waivers I mean, have become down to yeah. Yeah, I mean, my coach told me something during the recruiting process and didn't follow through on it mm -hmm. and he looked at me wrong nate was mean to me yeah and i'm scared can yeah, I get a waiver? I, yeah, I feel I mean, uncomfortable. I mean, that's what it's come down to. I feel to. uncomfortable it's... in the locker room now. So, get so, off my lawn radio, by the way. <laughs> what does this mean, though, for Caleb Lightborn, you think? I mean, it means that he's sitting It was already not. Happy. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, does he stick around? Harold Absolutely, he sticks around. I mean, he's got it made. He's on scholarship, he's getting a stipend, and he doesn't have to Could really he? work for the starting job. I mean, and I don't know if he could graduate by august i think i don't think i mean he's he's only in his third year he never redshirted mm -hmm. i mean so this yeah. is it'd be i mean he could um but i don't know what kind of you know credits he came in with right. how many he's, he's been taken but the ideal situation for him would be to try to graduate and grad transfer elsewhere exactly um, yeah but he's not going to get put on scholarship anywhere else no i mean his <laughs> so why would you leave i don't know he could get scholarships somewhere i don't i mean he's got a big enough leg it's just a matter of where the ball goes and he doesn't put the ball in good places. I mean, yeah. he punts, like as Frost said, he punched the ball in the middle of the field. And if, if I'm a coach out there and I've got a scholarship earmarked for a punter, you better have some pretty dang impressive tape. I'm not saying he's going to go power five, yeah. but I'm thinking like, you know, San Jose State or something like that. Yeah, maybe a partial somewhere. I, you think about that onside kick that he mis-executed. Nebraska was up, was it mm -hmm. seven to nothing against Ohio State? They scored. Mm -hmm. And the onside was wide open. And yeah, if he executes there. that kick, they could go up 14 nothing. I mean, that was yeah. a massive play. Like if he just even like puts his foot on the football, they got a pretty good chance of recovering that. I thing. mean, because it was wide. Yeah, it was, open. Yeah, it was wide. And then open. you know, the, they get, he misplaced the punt against Troy. Touchdown. The one against Michigan didn't really matter, but I mean, he put the ball in the middle of the field on a low line drive to a five star receiver. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, and the fact that they went to the extent of bringing in this Michigan State kid in. I mean that. I think probably says everything you well, yeah, know about. I think about. the writing's been on the wall <laughs> yeah. ever since they put him. So I ever mean, since they benched him. I mean, as a staff, do you kind of maybe help show him the door a little bit? Or I guess I, I mean that's an awkward. He won't be on the one hundred five. Well, it's one ten now, but there is zero chance he's on the one ten. No. I mean, maybe. I mean, they might want two punters. I don't know. I mean, maybe you have to have two punters on there. But um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see kind of what direction that goes. But uh, they got their guy for the future. I, I think Price Step. Am I saying the name right? I don't know. Your guess is good, um. Mike. <laughs> I, I don't know much about the kid other than the fact that um, people from Michigan State He's seem good. to be high on him. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they seem to look at at the, his departure as as a loss uh, from their team. So. I mean, and he's a three to play. Th I mean, four to play. He's set out one year now, three because he and they maximized him in four games this year. So I mean, it's a really a good deal that they've got four games of legit Big Ten punting. So we'll see. But I would expect Isaac Armstrong gets a scholarship in the fall. Um, I mean, I think if he's the guy, oh yeah, he's, he, he earned it. Yeah, he's earned. He was it. good last year. And I and they're not. And he's really, another. He's a lefty. So you're gonna have you're gonna have a, a quite a few years of lefty punters, which. 
I mean, that's catching a catching a punt. Nate's off a lefty, of a lefty, by the way. I'm a lefty. <laughs> I kick right-footed though. But, oh yeah. Little, <laughs> little, wild guard. Yeah, little wild guard. There. Yeah. Um, but I mean, catching a catching a punt off of a, a left, you know, from a lefty is is uh, a lot different than catching it off of off a right-footed punter. So um, Nebraska's got that going for them. So <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk some basketball, Nebraska basketball, trying to get things figured out. Bill Moose talked more about Tim Miles and kind of how he's viewing things. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Unless there's a behavioral problem that uh, you know rises to the level that I think I need to make a change during the season, uh, you know, Tim Miles a good coach. Uh, he's very passionate, loves his players, loves Nebraska, and uh, I did have the opportunity to go visit with him and the staff uh, last week, and we had a real nice uh, talk. And I wanted to get a feel for what their thoughts were, and, and it was very helpful. And then just to encourage them and embrace them and uh, support them. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose on his radio show about just kind of how he's looking at this basketball situation right now. And I think most people have a pretty good feel of, you know, what road it's heading down. And it's going to take a lot to get it off that road at this point, just the way this season has turned Nebraska you know, with with the major seven game losing streak before um, Wednesday night's game against Minnesota, but they have a stretch here with Minnesota, Northwestern, and then at Penn State. You know, where there's a glimmer of hope to maybe get some momentum, Robin, um, as you kind of look at this final stretch. I mean, we've been saying it for a while now. Uh, they're running out of time, and this is it. I mean, if you you have to win these games for one, just to get your win total even in the conversation in for postseason play. Yeah, not just the NCAA tournament, but for any postseason play. And, and two, uh, the only thing that's going to solve um, the most pressing issue facing this team right now, and that is a complete absence of confidence is to finally win a game. Uh, it's been a long time. We're pushing a full month since they've won a basketball game. And so uh, this team needs success in the worst possible way. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's got to start with one step. And so, you know, that Minnesota game, uh, Northwestern, Penn State, uh, there's a chance that Nebraska very well could be favored in all three of those games. And, you know, like I said, they've, they've the whole kind of silver lining during this stretch was that there's still opportunity uh, to turn it around. Well, if you don't do it now, that door will be officially closed shut outside of the one crack of <laughs> trying to make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just kind of – it is what it is right now. I mean, Nebraska's put dug themselves in a very deep hole, and the only way they're going to dig themselves out is starting right now by winning the last few games that are potentially, quote-unquote, winnable uh, going into that back end of the stretch where Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa are waiting for you. What's amazing, Robin, is Nebraska and Creighton, after Tuesday night's game – are both 13 and 11 and I, I think you know a month ago or whenever it's been you never would have thought Nebraska and Creighton would be at equal records Nebraska's net though continues to be respectable mm -hmm. they're 40th in the net now I read something in the old RPI they'd be like in the hundreds right now I don't know if that's accurate or not mm -hmm. but um, the strength of schedule continues to keep their net in a really really good place so as you mentioned there is NIT chance here if they could win you know, uh, this opportunity with three in a row where they're going to maybe be favored in at least two of these three. Mm -hmm. um, they've got a chance. So they've been favored in all but two of their last seven that they lost. Yeah, so, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but the opportunity is is there. And so say they, say they win three in a row. Uh, then all of a sudden you're talking about a team that has 16 wins and um, all of a sudden the conference record doesn't look as bad. Uh, and then you have four games where if you can get one, maybe even two, that's a resume right there. I mean, then you're a 17-win team with, what, four quad one wins, uh, including one against uh, at least one of the top four teams. And the Purdue game in Lincoln would be the one. I yeah, mean, or Iowa. Or Yeah, you got two big Iowa games. Iowa at home. And then, yeah, I mean, they've, they've beaten Michigan State before. Uh, you know, Michigan is obviously a different animal. But, uh, they, I mean, that's, that's kind of what this whole conversation has been, you know, that as bad as things have been, as low as this season has gotten, and it has terrible – as the team has looked, they're still not dead yet. Uh, I mean, they've got a lot of dirt on them uh, that they got to climb out of, but uh, they still have a chance. Now, 
how confident you are in them actually achieving that chance. Uh, I know a lot of people have been done with this season for a long time now and are ready just to close the book on the Tim Miles era and move on. But, uh, you know, in, until they are officially pronounced dead for this season, um, that glimmer of hope is still going to be there, uh, you know, at least for the next couple weeks. And no surprise, Bill Moose, um, yeah. 100% behind Tim Miles and – you know, with his stance of letting coaches finish out the season. And I know the emotional social media fan that you meet a lot of games, Robin, in the postgame especially, uh, would like a change now. I mean, what, what's that going to accomplish? Absolutely nothing. nothing. But Bill Moose has said, you know, there's still a lot of basketball left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> this is a long conference schedule for Nebraska. There's eight more conference games remaining. Eight more games. That's good and bad in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's good in the sense that there's still a chance, but it's bad in the sense that uh, things could potentially get even uglier than where they are now. And that's why this week is so crucial uh, for not only the team, but for Tim Miles. I mean, for him to save his job, they got to they got to figure it out and they got to figure it out now and I probably should have figured it out a little long time ago but uh, here they are and uh, yeah I, I agree uh, I mean the, the firing now midseason doesn't do anything what are you going to do put Jim Molinari as your interim head coach I mean what does that change I mean you still have assistants on staff Michael Lewis is the one running the offense you know uh, Jim Molinari is running the defense uh, I mean you're not going to put Armand Gates he has the least experience out of all those guys so uh, just just Stay the course. I mean, let things figure out. If, if things continue to get worse, you know what? Well, great, great. Then then it's a resolved situation where at the end of the season, everybody knows what's coming. It's no surprise, and it's just a smooth operation. But you also, uh, by not doing anything now, give your guy a chance to figure it out. I mean, to, to, to save his job. And I, I think, you know, though, from the arena standpoint, if you did that, then you'd really see that place empty. Yeah. I mean, because well, you're, you're quitting on the season. Why would people want to come? I yeah, mean, you've given up on any hope. And, you know, the Maryland game, it was an early tip, a really bad weather night, mm-hmm. snowed. There were still the actual scan number was like 10.5. Yeah, it was over 10,000. I know that. Um, and, you know, like, oh, that, but that's 5,000 no shows. Yeah, but keep in mind the tip off at six, and it was a terrible mm-hmm. night to drive to the arena. I mean, as bad of your as bad of driving into the arena weather as you're going to get. So, yeah, people, ten, ten thousand people were coming to watch a team that had lost what five in a row at that point uh, on a terrible Wednesday night tip uh, with weather. Uh, and Iowa is giving away free tickets to its students. From and Michigan the signing State. day event was going on head to head with that, where your biggest boosters were all invited to that. And I'm sure a lot of the boosters did go to the signing day event mm-hmm. over the basketball game. So I mean, just just keep it in perspective that you know, yes, the fan support is probably dwindling, but it's still Nebraska, and people are still going to come to games. And uh, they might not be as rabid as they normally would be, but uh, they're going to have. The majority of that place filled, and you know, compared to some of the other places in the conference, that is one of the biggest advantages this program has. You look at um, injuries, health of the team, uh, the big one this week, um, a, a Nana, Nana Kenton, Nana Kenton um, flu? No, they haven't said. He's just sick. He's, he missed the past couple of days uh, with an illness, and he was questionable going into the Minnesota game. But, you know, he's missed time before with an illness. I think he probably just has a – Kind of a shaky immune system at this point, but uh, you know, get him a pack of airborne. Yeah, it it is what it is. Like, I mean, sure, uh, this team has no room to lose any depth, but uh, it's not exactly like he was providing <laughs> a whole lot of productivity. So it's is he supposed? I mean, do you, is he is he supposed to be a good shooter? I mean, he shoots threes like he yeah. is like Kyle Korver sometimes. Well, I mean, like his his well, was, athleticism is far and away his biggest strength, and you see that when his pregame warm up dunks where he looks like. Uh, a freak of nature dunk contest guy, but uh, three point shooting was, I think, the one way that he was going to make an impact because his ball handling is just not very good, and so he can't beat anybody off the dribble. Uh, and on ball defense is an issue for him too, which is weird with his athleticism. But uh, the one way that you know I think that they found he could be uh, a jolt off the bench was per- by providing perimeter shooting on a team that doesn't have a lot of perimeter shooters. Uh, so I, I think that's why you see him take the number of shots. It's, it's just been a long time since it's seen him go in. He did get one to fall against Purdue, uh, but it's been they had a lot. They had a lot fall in the first half of that they game. Made 10 right? three-pointers. I mean, I mean that that's as many as they've made in a long time. In the so, first half or the whole game? Whole game. Uh, and so, I mean, Thomas Allen made five of those. But uh, so they, they here's the thing about that Purdue game. It was a 19-point loss, and if you would have ever asked if I'm going to sit there and like look for moral victories out of a 19-point loss, I tell you, you're crazy. But 
if that if Nebraska would have played with that effort and shot the ball, I mean they shot 38%, which isn't good, but it's a lot better than 21%. If they would have shot like that with that type of effort on defense, they beat uh, Rutgers, they beat Wisconsin, uh, they beat Illinois. And, and Armand Gates said on the radio this week he thought Purdue was maybe the best team in the conference right good. now. They're really I mean, good. They, they could play themselves into maybe a two seed if they get. Carson Edwards is one of the best players in the country. And then when they have guys like Klein shooting the way he is, and then they had a dude that was averaging four points a game go off for like 15. You know, I mean, it was just one of those nights. That Mackey Arena, Nebraska's never won there ever. Hey, Jack McVay, they're still mad about McVay going off on them a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah. That was like they had a really good team that year, and McVay scored like 28 off the bench. Remember? Yep. <laughs> yep, and the good news was that Isaiah Roby was able to dunk the basketball, and he just looked straight down at the floor, so he didn't get a technical like Isaac Copeland did for glancing at Isaac Haas after <laughs> that poster dunk a year ago. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked here. Here's here's the situation: Nebraska, they have a chance, and it starts now. And if you the more missed opportunities you get like this like i said the story of how this season and how tim miles future is going to write itself all right when we come back we are going to bring in husker online intern grace Harmon. we'll take your questions in the mailbag you're listening here to the husker online show this is husker online your authority on nebraska athletics and this really gives a lot of people a chance that may not be a season ticket holder and maybe the only time they get to see our players and and uh, be in Memorial Stadium. So uh, we aim to please there and, and, uh, and I haven't heard uh, a lot of complaints, so that's probably where we're gonna stick. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus, Husker Online intern Grace Harmon joining us here. That was Bill Moose discussing the sellout this past week on his radio show of the Red White Game, just like a year ago. Spring games sold out over the first week. The difference was season ticket holders this year were only allowed a limit of 10 um, tickets. The year before, it was unlimited, which didn't allow the general public that doesn't get to go to a Husker game very often a chance to get those tickets. So um, very far less complaining this year um, with the ticket process for the red-white game as it will be a sellout. By the way, 1 o'clock game, kind of a prime kickoff window for Nebraska live on the BTN Start the mailbag here, though. Grace, what do you have to start us out with this week in the mailbag? All right. Well, coming into the second year of the Frost era, people are kind of expecting that every position will have a little more depth. In your opinion, what positions uh, will have the most depth? I mean, you can go a lot of ways, but I think the defensive line, if I'm just going to go one, um, they return a pretty good core, and then I would expect Damian Daniels to give them more reps this year. I think his brother Darian Daniels is going to be a factor. And I think Casey Rogers, Tate Wildeman coming out of a red shirt and injuries, they should add to that mix. Um, so, and then Ty Robinson. So I, I think the defensive line, and they needed to be higher. I mean, they had four guys last year um, that played over 450 snaps, which there were only, you know, I think in the entire Big Ten conference, like 20 defensive linemen or Nebraska had far more than any team that had to play that much on the D line. So they've got to get more guys playing on the D line. I think you'll hopefully see that this year. I think the secondary is vastly improved uh, from what it was a year ago, um, especially with the red shirt freshman uh, that sat out last year and the, the, and of that class that played last year. And then you combine with the additions they've made this year. And then the supposed improvement of some of those veteran players. I think that that's probably as deep as this group has been in a while. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see how that plays out as far as effectiveness. But I think just from a numbers standpoint, uh, you feel def definitely better about the depth there than you did a year ago. Yeah, I was going to go with the safety position. You I mean, you're talking about Deontay Williams, Jojo Doman, Markel Dismuke. Uh, are all you know three guys that played you know at least uh, meaningful snaps last year uh, and, and performed you know pretty well at times and then you're you're adding in uh, Cam Jones who's coming off a red shirt uh, hopefully CJ Smith who who looked to have you know mm -hmm. uh, you know a promising future before his injury is able to come back healthy and then you're adding a couple of high end recruits that I know Nebraska really loves and Noah Pola Gates and Miles Farmer back there too. So uh, I think that safety position is all of a sudden uh, a spot that, that has you know, some pretty good depth to it. What do you got next here, Grace? All right, so Nebraska only has one person going to the NFL Combine and Stanley Morgan. Um, when will Nebraska see themselves getting more invitations, or will they? You know, next year, it's not going to be very many either. I mean, I, I think when you look at the seniors, 
it's a pretty limited year. I mean, last year they had a good group. Nick Gates um, went. Obviously, Tanner Lee went. Seathan. Seathan Carter. That was two years two ago. Two years ago. They had another guy go last year, too, besides those. I mean, they. I'm trying. I'm blanking on the name, but. Me, too. Um, they've had. They had. This year, though, yeah, is, is as bad as you're going to see. I still don't understand how a Zigbo wasn't invited, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I'm just going to throw the names out here. These are the seniors. And you tell me yes or no combine invite. Mike Williams. Just say your answer right away. No. As of now, no. no. Jerron Woodyard. No. Christian Gaylord. No. No. Darian Daniels. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Carlos Davis. Maybe. With the big with the big senior season. I think Khalil Davis might get one. Yeah, Khalil. I mean, he's on those draft boards now, and he's been their most productive guy. Deshaun Neal, Vahavanuku. No. No. Alex Davis. No. No. Tyron Ferguson. Probably not. Probably I mean, not. Uh, Muhammad Barry, may, yeah, maybe yes. Yeah. I think Mo would get a one. shot. Got a shot. Avery Anderson, no. no. Eric Lee, no. no. Lamar Jackson, yes, potentially. So they could have two to four next year. Yeah, I mean, I think be an upgrade, which isn't hard to do when you're only getting one. And there's yeah. only fifteen. There's fifteen scholarship guys now. As far as guys that could go early next year, I'm looking at juniors, just thinking, and I don't see anybody other than J.D. Spielman. That you know could have a decision to go early now. Dedrick Mills, like let's just say, he blows up with a huge like fifteen hundred yard rushing year in the Big Ten. A guy like that could look at going pro early because yeah. he's a fourth year guy in college already, and shelf life of running back is is limited in the NFL. Um, so you don't see running backs stay for their senior year too often. But they could have a couple guys. I mean, Spielman could be a guy that could definitely maul an early decision to add to that combine group if he has a thousand yard year this year. We think about Boodle. If he has a really good year. I mean, he was one of the nation's leader in pass breakups. I mean, he's put together. His PFF grade was insane. Yeah, he had a good year. Yeah, he's put together a decent resume. One stat at corner, you never want to be the nation's leader in tackles at corner. That's true. That's that's not not a good corner (laughs) stat. That's not a good stat for your defense. Yeah, and that's more reflective of your defense as a whole, I think. All right, Grace, what is next? All right, do you have any speculation on who the next D-line coach will be or who would be your pick? I mean, there's this weird, not weird, but obsession with it's got to be a former Husker guy. I mean, get Jason Peter, John Perella, uh, Steve Warren. Wistrom. I mean, Wistrom. I mean, get get a. I don't think it's going to be an ex Husker guy, no. um, and I also don't think Frost is just going to hand. I mean, is this going to hand it to a guy that has not kind of put the work in to get the job? I mean, you look at what Frost did. He was a G at K State. He went to Northern Iowa. He was a receivers coach. I mean, he grinded to get to his position. Barrett Rude was a GA all the way until last year. He was never a full time coach. So. Just because you're a former Husker of the big name, you're not just going to get a four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar position coach job. Um, so I think it's going to be obviously a well-respected guy that's put the work in that Frost knows. Yeah, I think that's was going to be my point. I think that there's got to be some sort of personal relationship there too, or at least uh, some some background uh, where where they've worked together or know worked for the same coach, or there, there's some continuity there because that is such an important part to the staff. I mean, they've they've stressed that from day one about how important. Uh, just the relationships within that within the staff itself uh, is to everything that they do. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously coaching pedigree and background are going to be big, but uh, how he meshes with Frost and the rest of the staff will be equally as important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think unless you're like the, the ultimate free agent D-line coach out there, uh, chances are that the new hire is going to have cross paths with Scott Frost or Eric Chenander or somebody on that defensive side mm-hmm. of the football at some point in time to where somebody who's already on the staff stands up and say, hey, this guy would be a great fit uh, for on our coaching staff, would be a great fit in our culture. Um, you know, and he, he coaches well, he recruits well, whatever. Uh, I think that the odds on favorite is that it's going to be somebody that has some sort of connection with somebody on the staff. All right. We got time for two more. What do you got left, Grace? All right. Kind of got a basketball one here. Um, so the lack of winning tradition has always kind of been a problem for Nebraska's recruiting, but now that transfers and one and done players are common is tradition overrated. Yes, I do think so. Um, obviously your blue bloods can sell that, that, you know, for one, they've, they've done a lot, but 
kids are far more interested in what's going to happen during their careers than what happened before it. Um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, there's something to be said for the name on the front of the jersey, but um, once you get past those elite programs, it's kind of up for grabs. And, you know, the, the name Nebraska uh, doesn't really matter all that much any more than North Carolina State or South Carolina or whoever, you know, where uh, teams that don't necessarily have all that much tradition in their own right um, you know, Nebraska's not that far off. And all it takes is it's a what have you done for me uh, situation right now with recruits and especially in basketball, because uh, like you said, careers are much shorter um, than they are even in football. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that's going to be a huge holdup, especially if you get the right, you know, the, the right coaches in charge and, uh, you know, delivering a product that for one kids want to play for too uh, they have the staff that can develop relationships personal relationships with the player and three they're going to allow them an opportunity to advance their game to the next level and with nebraska playing in the big 10 which is the best conference in all of college basketball the facilities that they have um every uh, as bill moose likes to say everything is on the table for this thing to be a winner so uh, i don't think that's nearly the hurdle that some people make it out to be all right one last question all right so if you guys could eat or had to eat one fast food restaurant for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Ooh, you know, Freddy's is one that is a good, it's like, do you go healthy or do you, do you go full out? It's fast food. Fast food. Healthy fast food's not good. <laughs> yeah. No. So here's mine. And this is, this is kind of a, a wild thing here. The, the Amigos Kings Capelli oh. crossover. That's three restaurants in one. If I'm eating one place for the rest of my life, I get the options of Mexican. I get the option of burgers. And Chicken if I fingers. need coffee in the morning, I have that. Yeah, you got breakfast food. I'm just saying. Has a, anyone actually ever, full menu. when you've what, gone to Amigos, have Robin you Gilles. ever ordered the King's Classic food? No. Either have I. I've, I've <laughs> ne- I mean, like, I don't know anyone that goes to Amigos. But if that's the only place that I can get a burger fast food-wise, I mean, I will have the option. Man, that's a money pick. So... <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, I'm a progressive. What about the, uh, does the was, wasn't there a Long John Silver's KFC combo yeah, on the 84 Pizza Hut Taco Bell was one. Yeah, there used to be a. Well, they weren't in the same. They were in the same building, but it was a Popeyes Taco In combo on 27th and Superior. Dang. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that would be a winner. Uh, but there were two restaurants. I mean, it was two doors. You couldn't go. I mean, it wasn't uh, like the same counter. But so, so that does not. Count. That's a lethal combination right there. Taco in Popeyes. I mean, yes, it is on many levels. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my pick. I like Freddy's. Right, you got I mean, Freddy's, Nate. Yeah, that's a solid pick. I, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Chick Fil A. Mm. Um, what are you gonna eat on Sunday? Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Leftovers. Yeah. All right, Grace. What's yours? Oh man, lately I'll have to say Popeyes. Ooh. Their red beans and rice are super good, and you guys actually turned me on to that. Did, so. did you? Did so? You had never had Popeyes until. Mm-hmm. So we have a post-game meal after a post-game, and the interns graciously go out and pick up the meal and bring it up in the office after we're done after a home football game. And Grace was introduced to Popeyes this season. Never had it before. It's good. Yeah, the Husker Online internship is not only about providing work <laughs> experience, but life experience as well. And food. For and, and food. We got you on pop. All right. Well, uh, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. Nate Klaus and I were on the road for the in-state tour. Shrine Bowl rosters also came out. So full thoughts on all that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. You're listening to the Husker Online show. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking some recruiting in kind of a quiet week, Nate, for Nebraska and recruiting. Um, you know, first of all, we didn't even talk about this, but what's the impact of Mike Dawson leaving? I mean, as far as recruiting, um, he didn't have any guys that signed in, in um, February. So, I mean, all of his guys had been signed for a couple of months. So I'm sure he was able to properly talk to all of them and let them know what was going on. I would hope so. And, I mean, that, that's something, you know, I'm – you know, it'll be interesting. We can check in with some of these guys, especially when the new hires made, um, just to kind of get their reaction of, of that and, and whatnot. But um, as far as like the Northeast recruiting, particularly New Jersey, um, does his loss affect that? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, he he was able. He was kind of the the lead man, you know, getting in there with uh, uh, Ramir Johnson initially, and and I know that he has a lot of connections out there. Um, you know, he's he's somebody that helped kind of get in on Javante Jean-Baptiste who spurned Nebraska at the 11th hour for Ohio State uh, you know in that 2018 class but 
um, yeah, I mean, it looked like or looks like Nebraska has uh, been able to kind of start to get back into the, that New Jersey, New York area. And it's largely due to, to what Mike Dawson has been able to do up there. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the guy that they bring in has East Coast ties or, you know, do you bring in somebody that's got ties to the southeast because that's where uh, the large majority of your your high-end, you know, defensive linemen are coming from these days or, or do you go out west? Um, you know, I was looking at some of the numbers um, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, four and five star ranked defensive linemen and, and California still produces, you know, just about as many, um, you know, those type of defensive linemen as Florida. But and culturally are those big 10 guys. I mean, I think well, that that's yeah. what we battle here, I think, because the, the history has told us the California guys, you got to get the right type of guy out of California. Like that's Fre- for sure. Fre- Fresno is a different place than well, yeah. San Fran and L.A. And Adrian Martinez, as we know, is from Fresno, and, and he's, his mindset's not your – got to get the right type of guy. I mean, I don't care where you're coming from, from California or, or the West Coast in general. It's generally you know, a much more laid-back type of atmosphere or environment out there. And so, I mean, you you got to go out and get the right type of guy. But um, there's still a lot of talent to be had out there. Um, you know, and, and, and do you – I mean, shoot, if, if you – it seems like Nebraska's really tried to, to get a Polynesian – pipeline kind of going here do you go out and get a polynesian coach i mean i think that if you if you went that route you could you could really boost your your uh you know legitimacy in that in that culture and we all know what type of uh offensive and defensive linemen you know polynesian uh, you know areas produce whether it be from the islands or or even out in you know utah and and uh, California, Arizona, whatever. I mean, there's there's a large population of, of Polynesian players out there to, to kind of be had. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Uh, Nate, we went around uh, this week to five schools Monday for the in-state tour. We were at Elkhorn South, Elkhorn, Papillion La Vista, Omaha West Side, and who am I missing? Um, Elkhorn. Burke. Burke, yeah. So, I mean, really, we saw almost all the best guys in the first day other than – um, we didn't get to Bellevue West yet. I mean, there's more top guys in the state, but we got a good look at those guys. And I want to just start on Teddy Prohaska um, at Miller or at Elkhorn South. Oh, I mean, just we knew what this kid looked like, but just seeing him again and being around him. I mean, he's a 2021 guy, but man, I mean, he is going to be a major, major prospect. Yeah, he's big time. Um, he just. You don't build them. I mean, the, you don't see kids built like that. Very Six often. nine, two sixty. Yeah, with a what seven foot wingspan? Yeah, a seven foot wingspan. You know, and and when he put his arms out and showed us his wingspan, it's like holy cow, <laughs> that's this kid is just massive. And I mean, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I mean, he's got the similar type frame or build uh, as as a Bryce Benhart that Nebraska just signed this year. And obviously, he's not as heavy or or as developed physically yet. But when you watch him play, he's got the same type of athleticism and, and bend. And I think that's the first thing that you you look for when you when you're talking about a kid that size. You know, there, you get there's some six eight, six nine guys out there that can't even bend over and tie their own shoes. Um, you know, and and uh, and then you've got on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a guy like Bryce Benhart, uh, who's got terrific bend and and you know he's a wrestler and has got great balance and, and is very coordinated for his size. And and I think Teddy is is way more towards the the uh, Bryce Benhart end of that spectrum as far as uh, as far as that go. And he's going to continue to develop. I like the way that you know he's got that mentality too. He's he's kind of a hard nosed kid. Uh, he likes to get after it on the football field. You know, he's not a uh, he's not a soft kid. He, he's uh, he's someone who's not afraid to work hard, and um, you know, he's going to be a big time, big time prospect. He's going to get a lot of offers. Already has Nebraska, Northwestern, uh, but you know, you've got Michigan and Notre Dame coming in to check it, check up on him, and um, you know, and that's only going to increase here over the next year or two. Well, then we saw really one of the best guys for 2020, Xavier Watts at at Omaha Burke, and. Kind of another deal, just like Nick Henrich and Chris Hickman, it's going to take some work for Nebraska. This is not your slam dunk kid that had his room decorated with Husker gear and whatnot. As a, I mean, they're going to have to really work it. As um, he's got, Nebraska's got a lot of things on their side um, with Watts, but it's still by no means over. He's going to go through the recruiting process. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's honestly, it's going to come down to who wants him the most. You know, we're, obviously, it's, he's going to go where he feels comfortable. 
Uh, but he's also going to go with which school is, is giving him and showing him the most attention and, uh, and really proving that they want him and need him. And, uh, you know, and right now there's, there's schools like Minnesota, Notre Dame that are, that are recruiting him, Northwestern that are recruiting him just as hard at, or if not harder than Nebraska. So this is going to be a deal where it's going to take all hands on deck, I think, to, to recruit him. But like you mentioned, Nebraska's got some things on their side, and, and two of them are, are some former teammates, Chris Hickman and Nick Henrich, who are already on campus in Lincoln. Um, you're seeing them, you, you know, I, I don't know if you, you saw the tweet where they all went out to his basketball game. Was that game. Lincoln Southeast? Yep. And along with a, a, a lot of the other early enrollees, you know, um, Brant Banks was Jamie there. Jamie Nance, Wandell. Yeah, Wandell Robinson, Jamie Nance, uh, you know, Grant Detlison was there. So, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, and that's a big deal. You know, I, I was talking with Xavier about that, and, and he said, man, I didn't know. He's like, I thought Chris was going to show up. And then all of a sudden all those guys were there. And and he was saying that uh, you know Wandale was talking to him, uh, you know, trying to trying to get him, you know, was recruiting him to Nebraska, and and just when he, when he was talking about that, you could tell like that made an impact on him. You know, he thought that was pretty cool, and and I don't know how you couldn't if you're a kid, you know, a junior in high school, and you've got all these current Huskers and including two former teammates of yours that you're very close with who are coming to your basketball game just for the sole reason of, you know, you're not just showing support, but, uh, you know, re actually recruiting you to, to join them. So you I meant, think that's a big deal. You mentioned Wandell and Nate and I both just got done showing our first installment of the recruiting film at St. Michael's and Holy Ghost uh, this week on Tuesday. Night. How about the reaction of the room between Ramir Johnson's film and yep. Wandell Robinson's film and Jamie Nance? I mean, I think Ramir Johnson – got as big of a buzz oh, yeah. as Wandell's. I mean, it was like guys were walking. That's how fast he looked on film. Yeah, it was – It was uh, it, clearly those guys are on a different level. And in and, and Ramir Johnson's case, I mean, he plays really, really good competition. I mean, that's – That's the best football in that part of the country. That private league of theirs up there is uh, is really, really good. And, and some of the clips were against Grayson High School down in Loganville, Georgia, too. Uh, they went down there and actually beat Grayson the first game of the year this year. So uh, and that's, you know, coincidentally, that's when uh, Ronald Tompkins tore his knee was against Bergen Catholic. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the crowd <laughs> was a bunch of clapping and oohs and ahs when you're watching, you know, Ramir Johnson break off 99-yard touchdowns or watching uh, Wandale Robinson, you know, put a move on a guy in the open field and then take it to the house. It, those or, or Jamie Nance returning, you know, a kick or whatever uh, for a touchdown. A lot of speed there, uh, and all those guys are, are really, really impressive. Well, that wraps it up here. Um, we'll be back on the road again this week. More of the in-state tour also didn't even get this in, but – 14 future Huskers, including uh, Garrett Snodgrass, in the Shrine Bowl, uh, and then 13 walk-ons. So um, a lot you'll get to see a lot of those um, future in-state players in the Nebraska Shrine Bowl June 1st in Kearney. I'll always look forward to that as uh, we've seen many, many guys make their names in that game over the years, and uh, we probably will see a couple more this year. But uh, plenty to talk about uh, beyond Husker Online throughout the week as we'll have you covered. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.